Hello and welcome to the Jeep and Bubba podcast. I'm your host, Brad, Jeep and Bubba Koran. And today I am riding home in my buddy's F-150. Shout out to my buddy David Saddlebrook Windsor. Uh, he's let me borrow his truck so I can drive my new Father's Day gift home. I got a uh, pellet smoker and I'm pretty excited about it. I got a Pit Boss Pro Series and uh, ready to season this thing up and do some brisket for Father's Day. It's going to be sweet. But um, I thought I would do a little podcast. I got something that's been on my brain and I got a little bit of a about a 20 minute drive ahead of me and I, I think I could get across to you guys what uh, I've been thinking about recently and uh, I know I talk about Jeeps and off-road a lot but um, this pertains specifically to the automotive industry and I'm going to try to relate it to the off-road industry but something I, I've been thinking about a lot I've been thinking about it really over the last four or five years and I think I've got it worked out but if I was going to title this I would say Uh, Maybe like, where do influencers fit in today's market? Or who holds the power in today's market? Um, But I want you to think about the automotive or off-road industry as three branches of government. And I'll tell you who holds the powers. Consumers, manufacturers, and installers. Um, You know, shipping plays a role in all of that. Um, Materials play a role in all that. But, but the power really lies in the hands of the end consumer, the purchaser, um, the, the person who buys the product, the manufacturer, the, the people who make the product, and then um, the, the retailers or the installers. Um, I, I would lump those two into um, the same bunch. And, you know, some manufacturers are the retailers. If you're looking at maybe Metal Cloak, who's direct to consumer, or JCR Off-Road, who's direct-to-consumer. Um, and then there's a lot of brands who you can't buy direct, like Terraflex. Um, Terraflex, you have to buy through um, installers or um, you have to buy them through retailers. Uh, but if, if you're thinking about, let's just generalize and just lump those three as, as the three branches. And for the longest time, those three have been the only three powers and I want to talk about that and how that's worked in my opinion in the last 10 years I've been in the industry and I'm sure someone who's been in the industry 30 or 40 could could tell you um, even more but I want to say influencers is then is the fourth branch now that's starting to hold power now I would almost lump influencers in with manufacturers and you could say manufacturers could be lumped. You, you could almost you could almost title them as brands. So instead of saying, you know, the manufacturer JKS or um, BDS, you would say Sport Truck. That's the manufacturer that owns them all. But you know the brand Fox. You know the brand BDS. You know the brand JKS. So I think for a long time we could almost say that there's always been influencers, but those influencers have been directly related to marketing and branding. What do I mean by that? Like, you know, you wanted Babe Ruth to be eating your hot dog, right? You want uh, Michael Jordan to wear your tennis shoe. Like, you, you, um, you know a brand, like, 
why do you wear Nikes? You know what I mean? Like, it's because of the brand. It's not necessarily... You may like the style. It may be comfortable to you. But um, for the most part, like, we we associate certain things with brand. Like, and, you know, you would probably prefer to wear a certain brand of clothing over another, even though they may work very similarly or, or be... One might even be more expensive than the other and be very similar in quality. But you like the particular brand. You like either what it stands for or the style or what have you. Well, you know, if you're thinking about branding from an influence uh, influencer um, uh, standpoint, you know, for the longest time, the way that influencers have been is we've had spokesmen or we've had ambassadors has been a term over the last few years. And um, that's kind of gotten a black eye now, now the, the uh, ambassador, but someone who's endorsed by a brand. So if you look at NASCAR or golf or really any sport, um, actors, actresses, they're, they endorse a certain particular brand and like, oh, I like that person, so I uh, may buy that product because that person likes it. Um, this, you know... <sighs> Jeff Foxworthy endorses these chips. So I, you know, I trust Jeff Foxworthy so I'm going to eat these chips. So like, you know, whatever. So where I think that's changed is in the digital world, there has become a career path that people, um, I would say from the age 30 down and specifically those entering college age, high school age, that is probably one of the number one careers that people want to do is actually just be paid to be an influencer, paid to create content, a content creator. And that didn't exist uh, 10 years ago. So that's where I think they're going to start holding a power when it comes to the brand themselves because a lot of them are not starting out with the intent of a one particular brand in mind like if you guys saw uh i forget it's dog face something he was if you if you're on tiktok at all he's the guy that was riding on a skateboard listening to some stevie nicks and drinking cranberry juice and he was just making a video of him riding home on a skateboard because his truck motor blew up and he happened to have a bottle of ocean spray well that was like the greatest ad ever made for ocean spray ever and they rewarded him by giving him a pickup truck and a bunch of ocean spray but he wasn't actually looking to like particularly catch the eye of ocean spray or make some money or whatever he was just being real and in the moment he wasn't even probably trying to be an influencer he was just like i'm gonna send some good vibes out there but you know there are those that are trying to become rich and famous and maybe get brand deals but they hold the power in what content they want to create they're not uh, under contract when they first start out on who they want to rep or whatever. And these people will, will go up and down in value. And, you know, if they decide to, um, if they decide to, uh, for lack of better term, whore out themselves to brands that actually aren't good, like let's say three or four, I, I get approached constantly by like Amazon, eBay, um, overseas aftermarket brands that want me to try this rope or this thing or whatever and I've done a couple of them uh but I've done I've told them every time I'm gonna do a very honest review if this product doesn't work I'm going to tell people um in fact if you went on my YouTube I have three of them I tested some latches um 
I did a rope, and I did some underhood lights. And actually, all three of those items turned out to be okay. And I did true reviews on them. But I'm not out there like, take my promo code, save 15%, this, that, and the other. Um, and so, you see that a lot. And people are... I think a lot of people haven't realized they're... When they think they become a brand ambassador, they've just become a salesperson who's basically working for less commission than most salespeople. You know, like... They're like, we'll give you 15% off and all your friends get 5% off and then you get a 5% kickback if they use this code. And they've turned you into a salesperson for cheaper than it costs them to hire salespeople. And you're putting your reputation and name on the line. I'm getting a little off course here. But where I wanted to go with this is there are people on YouTube, there's off-roaders that have huge followings and they hold a ton of power. And if you don't think so, you're crazy because in my shop, I have people tell me all the time, so and so runs this winch. That's why I want it. So and so runs this, this uh, uh, lift kit or this brand, whatever. And I watched their video the other day. They were installing this and they reviewed this and said it's great. So I want to run this. And so they hold a good a bit of power. And I think that's important. And I'm going to tell you why. When I first got into the business, and this is really what the the theory I want to talk to you guys about. When I first got into the business, I kid you not. In my opinion, the shops, the installers, the retailers had all the power. And that was um, 11 years ago I professionally got into business. And I want to say, I would say the consumer and, and the retailers held the power. And they really held the power when the internet wasn't as powerful as it is now in, 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 on a smartphone in the palm of your hand. They really, really, they, they had you when you were in there, you know, you couldn't do as much research as you can now. And that, and I mean, if you look at where we were 10 years ago, phone wise, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, it's ridiculous. Um, so the other, and and speed of internet, anyways, if you, um, if I fast forward and I'm thinking about as I started working in the industry, I worked, I did outside sales my first job in aftermarket, um, I mean, not in automotive, but in automotive, like I actually worked at a shop and, and spent time, um, as a mechanic and as a general manager. But once I got into the, af- uh, the off-road industry, the actually it was automotive industry in general, I worked for nitro gear and axle and I was doing outside sales. Things have changed so much. The outside sales are very, very rarely done now compared to just five, six years ago. That was the way. And and they would go to shops and, and try to convince them, you know, they call on shops and visit shops and try to convince them that, um, you know, their product was better than the competitor's product and they'd wanted you to carry it and they wanted you to sell it and they'd try to work on a deal and talk about shipping and talk about why you're not running it and, you know, maybe do some customer service. There were times where I would go into a shop and there would be, um, you know, I'd be standing in line waiting for two other people to finish their pitch. Um, and that wasn't uncommon. Uh, shops would, would almost get frustrated that I was there taking their time because they're trying to, they're trying to get their jobs done. They're trying to do installs and there's this guy with a, um, you know, a flyer and a pamphlet and some information and they want to, you know, try to get you, uh, selling and buying their product. So during that time, 
and and then moving into working for a JCR off road and working for a manufacturer. Um, and Nitro was a manufacturer as well, but uh, working directly in house, doing in house inside sales and and working closer to the management. It was so interesting that that I watched a transition in where I started to notice that the shops began to lose a little bit of power. But when I first got in, and let me try to get my years right, but I want to say when I feel like they were in their white hot moment of my 11 years, I want to say, let's say 2014, 2015, the shops really tended to have a lot of power. And I I, I started to see, and, and they still exist, but I started to really see shops like let's just say Rocky Ridge Customs is one, like, put, make their edition of a truck, and, and they put some cool stuff and built some nice vehicles, but they could really charge a premium, and they really held a lot of power, and if you think about, like, that whole offer, I mean, the automotive industry, think about, like, TV and 07, 08, um, with, like, West Coast Customs and Foos and, you know, these shops, it was cool if you went to them. And that carried some weight. And then, as the internet sort of dawned, and this beginning of influence was kind of at its infancy, Instagram models and things like that, I started to see consumers begin to gain some of the power. They were shopping between the manufacturers, Amazon. I mean, Amazon's been a huge shaker of the industry. I see people really pulling off from buying from eBay and buying more from Amazon. And then uh, you just start to see that the, the consumer, I would get people that would say, well, listen, if you'll give me 5% off, I'll run your sticker. People are going to see this sticker on my Jeep and they're going to buy this product from me. I'm advertising for you. And if you know anything about marketing, you know that there's a there's a little bit of value in someone running your sticker and we're always appreciative of it but you're always nervous that well is that guy gonna go on an illegal off-road trail he's gonna get a dui he's got your sticker like it kind of goes both ways um so they but the customers started to kind of have some power that kind of could call you in demand i i mean you'd be blown away when people would call and say i want this product in one week for this price and if not i'll go get it from amazon and i'll get it at this price or i've got a cousin or a buddy who says they can hook me up for this and you're i'm shopping you against two other places i'm shopping against four wheel parts and quadratech and i'm getting 15 percent off at northridge and i mean i really started to see the consumer along with using their social media influence really start to gain some power you know the power of a review, the power of of a YouTube video, the power of their Instagram. I saw a lot of product given away for free or heavy discounts, and a lot of uh, when you go to all uh, events, you'd see these influencers in the booths, and they were working together. And you still see that to the day. But I will tell you, it is much harder to get sponsored and get free stuff and to get um, discounts right now than it has ever been. And you have to be on your game. You got to be up there. You got to make the right connection. Right now, if I wanted to say who has all the power, I mean, I don't even think it's close right now. 
the manufacturer is holding all the power right now. And let me tell you why. You would almost say, like, well, the consumer should... You should always be consumer-centric, and the consumer should always win. And that to that, I would agree with. I would, I would say that that is how I think I try to be consumer-centric. But... He, I want you to. I want you guys to think about something you may have never thought of. COVID has changed things to the fact that most manufacturers that survived in COVID actually thrived during COVID. They did more business than they've ever done, and now they're behind. So think about this. I happen to know a lot of manufacturers are months and months behind. They've they've almost doubled sales. They can't hire enough people. They've made more money than they've ever made. Um, if you if you look at SEMA's most recent number, um, the aftermarket industry just hit the most money it's ever made. Um, I want to say it was in a quarter, or maybe a year. I want to say it was a year because it was it was a huge billion dollar number, and it's the most it's ever been made. Um, I just saw that stat yesterday, so I can't remember if it was in a quarter or a year, but I think it was in a year, but it was in the billions, and you're looking at a time when there's when there's uh, this crazy disease and inflation and all kind of stuff going on, but the manufacturers, they ended up figuring out that, you know, we're in control of the supply. And we can change the prices, you know. And I, I got to give it to the manufacturers in the fact that they had it rough and they still have it rough. They're having a hard time hiring people. The government's a pain in the butt. Taxes are a pain in the butt. Getting materials right now. Shipping's expensive. It's crazy. But what they're... I want you to think about it like this. If you ran a business and you were used to having to, like, do discounts for people or you're trying to have to work with influencers and you're having to put money into marketing you're having to do shows and and year after year you're just growing by 10 percent and then over a two-year process you doubled your business and you have three six months eight months worth of orders in and people are actually waiting for your products they're not canceling their orders because you're the only one who makes said product or you have the reputation of having the best product or um, that you're just the one they want and they're willing to wait because they're going to have to wait at all your competitors. Your competitors aren't making it any faster than you. So all of a sudden you hold the power of the supply so you can be in charge of the price, how long it takes for you to give it out, how much marketing you want to do. I mean, why do you think Chevy and Ford are pulling out of SEMA, um, they're pulling out because they're months and months out on their vehicles and there's no reason for them to go and market it. Sometimes I start to worry. I go to, you know, an off-road show and I'm out there, um, marketing my business and I'm a month out on, on getting, doing installs. And I'm like, if I get any more work, how am I going to be able to handle it? You got to think like, if these guys go out and keep doing the marketing that they've traditionally done and they do outside sales and then they work with shop, they're going to be years out on product. There's not some big rush of, 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 you know, workforce coming in. 
I heard a statistic actually. Um, it was this morning actually on, on uh, talk radio. They said teenagers are at the lowest unemployment rates of all time. More teenagers are working than ever, and they're getting jobs that are paying well because we need them in the workforce. So, if you if you're a manufacturer right now, even though it might be tough, you have, in my opinion, all the power. Um, the shops don't have any power. We're at the mercy of the manufacturers and the customers going, Hey, I want these tires. I want this wheel. I want this bumper. And you're going, well, you know, I can order it for you. Um, and so now the customer's getting online and they're doing research and they're trying to find, they're hitting, they're calling 12 more shops or whatever and trying to find that one bumper because they got a ride coming up in a month. And so now the, the consumer and the shops, retailers are, are, you know, banging heads, but Right now, in my opinion, the manufacturer holds the power. And I think that power is going to get passed around quite a bit. But here's where I think um, it gets very, very interesting. Let's say that there is another some, some type of recession, depression that kicks in. Let's think about the mid, late, you know, 2000s, 2005, 2000, all the way up to 2008. When people are making less money, and let's just say they start spending less money, okay? People making less money start spending, we're getting into a depression here, and people start saving their money, putting their money away in their pockets, and they're just, let's say they're not spending as much money. What matters more than anything is brand. It's going to matter more than ever. It's going to be brand. And so... What I think is going to be important is if you're a installer, retailer, take care of your customers the very best you can customer service-wise. If you're a manufacturer, if you look at Chevy and Ford, I think they're making a huge mistake by pulling out of SEMA because those who love their booths at SEMA, they're really those who are loyal to that brand, they're really disappointed. They really want to see those guys there like that is tough for them um and if you're if you start to use and abuse the power as a manufacturer or uh if you start to make things difficult on your consumer and then they've got a limited amount of money to spend they're going to start really considering what brands they're using and what brands they're going to and they may just go value over your higher end product because there's nothing that you're doing for your community there's nothing you're doing for them personally and that's where i think influencers are going to play a huge huge role going forward if we happen to hit a recession or depression which i think is almost inevitable um currently some type of recession i don't want a repression i don't want any of that to happen but i, I see some sort of recession happening where an influencer may hold some really, really big cards because basically an influencer costs way less than a TV commercial, costs way less than a billboard, but they hold all this power. You know, look at some of these guys with hundreds of thousands of subscribers on YouTube. You look at that, look at what one of their weekly videos puts out, and then you compare that to what a cable news shows doing i mean 
they're putting up some big stats. And then look at TikTok, look at Instagram, look at Reels. So I know that what I'm talking about isn't traditional, but as we're moving forward with with this whole industry, and the reason I talk about it this way is the aftermarket industry is is supposed to be, and it basically is, a hobby. It's for fun. It's not. We're not talking about doing maintenance on your vehicle, although that is part of the aftermarket industry. But if you're, you're thinking about lift kits, wheels, tires, as as we're going into the recession, and if you know, as we go into a harder time, people have got to decide: Do I pay my mortgage? Do I do I you know buy gas or food, or whatever? And if they have a little extra money what do they they're going to think about it a little bit more than when a time where the the economy is at an all-time high where they're a little more lax with their money they do a little you know a little freer spending so if you're thinking about you know what does it mean to be an influencer or a brand ambassador or something like that you're going to probably hold a good bit of value because you're you're that person is a lot cheaper and he's going to have or she's going to have a lot more loyalty because they've give, already given back to the community. Um, and, and, you know, if you think about whoever your favorite person is like to watch on YouTube or social media or on your phone or whatever, if that person endorsed the product and you really trust in them and it came down to spending your last couple free extra hundred bucks or a thousand bucks or whatever... You might, you're most likely going to go with the brand that you know the person you trust stands behind. And, you know, I I think that's going to matter more than ever. More than it has... I mean, I know it's always been important, but I think now in this day and age with the amount of micro-influencers that exist, it's not just STP and Richard Petty. We're talking about, like, what winch line does bleeping Jeep like? And that's such a niche thing. I've often laughed at like and said like, there's people who are super famous, quote unquote, in the off-road world or aftermarket world that nobody's ever heard of outside of that. And I've often made fun of myself by saying I'm a C-list celebrity in a niche market, which means like three thousand people know who I am or actually care. But that's funny. But but it but it those three thousand people trust me with my opinion of what products I like. And if I say, you know what, I like the Smitty built winch over the Warren, which uh, I do like the Smitty built winch. I, I would actually lean towards Warren. They're, they're proven over time. But that's just an example that I'm, it's, but I could sway you to maybe buy one product or another. Actually, I'll give you a real world right now. I'm, I'm a, uh, a big proponent of certain brands of suspension and certain brands of shocks. And so right now, I'm more likely to sway towards JKS and BDS suspension or rock crawler suspension uh, with Fox shocks. That's just where I'm leaning right now. It's the way I feel. I think Terraflex makes a good product. I think Metal Cloak makes a good product. Um, I think there's comparable shocks. I think Icon does a good job. Uh, some folks really like the Bilsteins. I'm just saying with my my current kick, the thing I'm on is like jks bds fox shocks if you really want to do some rock crawling wait wait the extra time and get a rock crawler kit from rock crawler brand but that that's the that's the kick i'm on right now and so i might would lean a person down that road and i do it quite a bit when i do sales 
people ask my honest opinion. And I've run a lot of brands and I can give my honest opinion on that. That's where the shops start to have a little bit of power. You know, when you're a, a, a shop owner who's also an influencer, I mean, that's something if, if, um, if you're a business owner listening to this, it doesn't just apply to the off-road world. If you're, if you own a business and you can be like a micro influencer, like, or macro, if you can be an influencer of some sort, if you've got the ability to like put out a little bit of content here or there, um, I mean, that's huge for building your community and, you know, be honest. And that's the most important thing. I can go off on a million tangents on this whole thing. I'm sitting in my driveway now. I've made it home. But uh, I just wanted to uh, just wanted to get you guys' brains spinning a little bit. Because I, I don't think most consumers, if, if you're a consumer, well, we're all consumers, right? We all, whether no matter what industry it's in, we all we all make, we all purchase. You know, we go to grocery stores, we go to gasoline, we, you know, um, go to Home Depot, whatever. Like, we all make purchases. But, um, you know, as as the economy goes up and down and does whatever it may do it's funny to see the power kind of go back and forth and that's just my two cents on what i've observed in my time maybe i can get your brain going if you're a little bit older maybe you're thinking about you know um the 70s 80s you know in manufacturing and a time where you remember where you know the grocery store had all the power or or, or the you know the manufacturer, you know, whoever, and uh, I think it's kind of an interesting thought, something to pay attention to as a consumer. It's it's interesting to know, and maybe there's a little bit of hack in there for you as you're looking at. Here's a hack for you, and this is what I'll end it on. Look at, uh, let's say you just bought a new Jeep, new truck, something like that, and you're looking at doing some some parts on it. Maybe look to the smaller manufacturers. Maybe look into the smaller niche shops. And those guys are have it real hard right now. You know, they're they're fighting a supply chain issue. And they're just trying to make it. And if you look in the off-road industry and in the, in the automotive industry in general, there are so many businesses getting absorbed into, into larger businesses okay that's what it's taking to do businesses is, is to be a huge conglomerate where you have more buying power and you look at these smaller operations that are more mom and pop you can give those guys a phone call and you can work out a deal and you can say you know what hey i'm thinking about running your your steering and your bumpers and i'm thinking about running this your armor and is there any way um if i if i bought all this together you'd give me maybe 10 percent off and uh what do you what are you guys lead times right now and you're gonna have more power as a consumer and maybe get a better deal by doing something like that than if you were to call up full wheel parts yeah right man you're gonna talk to somebody overseas you're you could walk into a full wheel parts right now i would this is not me bashing full parts but i bet you walk into most full wheel parts you're gonna be 10 minutes before you get service i mean they're just they're so dang busy like they're getting so many phone calls and online orders like they're just I don't know, in over their heads, but it's like walking into a Walmart. You just, you don't go to Walmart expecting service. You just expect value and, and products to be in stock. Um, and so, I don't know. I just think, you know, the mom and pop for a consumer right now, I think that's your best bet. I think that's where you're going to really stand out and maybe get to know somebody at a company that you you really like or find, I'll tell you what, here's another hack, find a shop owner near you if you know um if you're not in georgia and 
or or um, maybe you don't like me. <laughs> you got someone else you like. But find a shop owner that's got some good relations, been in the business a while. It's got some people he likes working with, and you know, just talk to him about what he likes and and who's got stuff in stock, and where he can get some deals. And I mean, you'd be blown away that what relationships will do for you as a builder. Um, you can get with a shop owner and be like, hey, what's your kind of like premier go-to brand? If you were to hit me up right now and say, like, um, could you do a deal on some BFG tires? Um, there's no way. They, there's no room at all. But if you're like, hey, what can you do on some cab fab steering? Or what could you do on, um, could you give me a little break on some uh, uh, JKS zone? Or, uh, yeah, like some JKS suspension. Or um, what can you do on some Terraflex? Are you guys direct with them? I could probably break you off 5 or 10%. And... It's going to help me. It's going to help my buying power. Like I'm trying to increase my worth to those companies that I'm buying from. And it's it's weird to think about. But when you're a small shop and you're trying to get going, the best way to get noticed, the best way to um, uh, to to get more respect from the manufacturers, from the from the wholesalers you're buying from, is to spend money with them. It's it's funny. There's a company that we just started buying from after um, SEMA, and uh, they just called the day and they said, Hey, I'm, I'm your sales rep. Well, what do you mean? Oh, well you, you hadn't spent enough up to date to have your own personal rep. You were kind of in a, um, uh, you know, you were, you were grouped with another couple hundred shops, but now there, I just handle a handful of shops and you're one of them in the Southeast. Oh, okay. So, so now I'm going to get a little bit better service. Now I'm going to get a little more personalized service because we've been spending enough money with you. So, it's 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 interesting how the industry works and how different people hold power. At the end of the day, all I want to do and all you want to do is go off road and have fun, or build a jeep, or build a truck, or build a car, or whatever. And you just want the best product for the best price, um, and you want you know people to appreciate you. That's what I think we all deserve. But it's just not that simple anymore, is it? It's not simple because there's a bunch of different people who are busy and under stress and hold the power and they get to decide how they treat you and what they want to charge you and uh there's reasons behind that and if you look deep enough behind the curtains you guys will see it that's just been on my mind recently i've been watching a little bit of shift go through the covid times and go into the manufacturer's hands i think brand is going to matter more than ever in the next two years and we're going to see what that means for consumers and influencers and shop owners like myself hope you guys have an adventure in your future and i'm cheap and bubba eat your prunes we'll be seeing you